let's do what's that all about <laughs> it's got to be it just means one thing i think tonight that we're going to write at the back of the bible we're going to the book of revelation where are my star wars fans now star wars and the book of revelation have nothing to do with each other except for this mind right here for so long for so long i thought that the book of revelation was a bit like star wars there's so much color. There's so many characters. There's so much going on in Star Wars. But I could also say the same thing for the book of Revelation, right? So that was my picture of this grand, great book, the final book of the Bible. I wonder what your picture of the book of Revelation is. That's a little bit of my insight for you. Let's talk about the book of Revelation before we get into it. But before we do, we do want to welcome Mr. Joel Ratcliffe back into the house, everybody. <laughs> Great to have you back, man. God's not done with you yet. Amen. Amen. This incredible book, right? And widely, unfortunately, misunderstood. Yeah, it is a little hard to understand, but God wants to us to understand this book. He really does. The revelation, what he reveals to us through this book. First of all, we've got to understand when we're reading this book of Revelation that we're actually looking to the future. We're looking to the future. It's not fantasy, unfortunately, like Star Wars. It's not fantasy. It's not poetry. It's not cryptic. It's partly predictive, what you call predictive prophecy. It's considered as uh, visual theology, in fact. So what does the book of Revelation reveal? Well, if you look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, <laughs> it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. As you follow through chapter after chapter, 22 chapters in the book of Revelation, you'll see that Christ, he's the one who presides over the church. He's the glorified Lamb of God in heaven. He's the judge, he's the returning king, he's the bridegroom, he is highly exalted. The writer, anyone who know who wrote the book of Revelation? John, very good. John was very old, by the way, when he wrote this, about AD 95, 96. Very old. Uh, isolated, by the way, on the Isle of Patmos. Very good, very good. Patmos. Now, uh, what, what John does here is he transports us to the throne room of God. And he sees this risen Jesus as the ex, ex, exalted king of the world. And although as we read it, it might feel like the end of the world, in fact, it's actually the beginning of the renewed world where heaven and earth are reunited and that God's people can be, yes, challenged, but comforted and also given hope for the future. The part that I'm reading from tonight is, in fact, the passage in Revelation chapter 2 is an invitation. And I don't know if you heard Ben right at the end what he talked about. This is value number two. We are in week two of our series called Values. In fact, these are God's values. And Door of Hope Christian Church's six key values. Last week, we talked about praying. Very good. Prayer, praying, that's fine. And this week, we're talking about inviting. Inviting. Now, before we get to 
Revelation 22. If you've got your Bibles or smartphones or you just want to look at the screen, that's totally fine as well. Think about this for a moment when it comes to invitation. At every major intersection of your life, there has been an invitation. There has been an invitation. In fact, you could tell your story through the lens of invitations. Now, don't think about this too much, but you are in the world because of an invitation. Somebody invited somebody to something, and we'll leave it right there. You get the idea. And so everybody, it's okay to giggle. It's okay to giggle. I did when I was writing it. But anyway, <sighs> I was hoping for a bit more down the front there, darling. I was hoping for a little bit more there. But everybody, everybody got into this world through a series of invitations. By the way, by the way, some of you are here today, maybe for the first time, here in person or online, uh, that you were invited along. And first of all, we welcome you. In fact, can we all welcome the first time people here? Is that all right? Good, yeah, good. <laughs> Some of you just simply rocked up and weren't invited, and we certainly welcome you as well, don't we? Come on, give it up, yeah. It's great to have you here. Let's get back to invitations, because invitations are a powerful, powerful thing, often life-changing. In fact, some of the best things in your life were the result of an invitation. Some of your and my greatest regrets were also the result of an invitation. You see, an invitation can change everything. You need to know that you have the power to change the course of someone's entire life through a single or series of invitations. By the way, let's, let's just be honest just for a little moment here if we could, because I just want to say this up front, that I get this. This value of inviting, God's idea of, of inviting, this is easier for some more than it is for others. I get that. But being on mission, we don't get out of this. Being on mission with God, the Matthew 28 great commission to therefore go for each and every Jesus follower to get on God's agenda, guess what? That requires us to get in the game, to be in the game. And so this is a, a huge team effort. And we're not excluded, but we're invited into being an inviter. Also, I will say right from word go, that I certainly don't expect you to do what I'm unprepared to do myself. And that's why we say here, Jesus said it, others focus, but we do things together in community. We help one another do these things together. Pray, invite, and next week, connecting. I think, is that right, Ben? Fantastic. <laughs> Revelation 22, are you ready to dive in? Here we go. Last chapter of the Bible. Last chapter, 1,189 chapters into the Bible. This is a letter, yes, of warning, but it's also a great letter of encouragement. And uh, once again, it's considered as uh, apocalyptic literature. And often when we think of apocalyptic, we think of uh, the end of the world as we know it. We think of you know, all kinds of stuff. But if you look in the, Greek, the original Greek word for that particular word, it actually means to uncover. It means to reveal. And so this chapter that we're reading from tonight, Revelation chapter 22, is an invitation that goes out to the world 
And so tonight, I want to talk about three things. Is that okay tonight? Three things. The inviting God, the inviting Jesus, and the inviting Christian. The first thing I picked up in this passage was the inviting God. But before we go there, can we read from Revelation chapter 22, verse 12? You ready? Here we go. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of Life. Once again, the first thing I got from this in my preparation was the inviting God. That our God is an inviting God. Did you pick that up three times in the Word of God? He says to come, come, come. You see, this is an invitation, is it not? Yet it's not, not forceful. God is not forceful. Yet he is inviting us to come. Every text we read from in Scripture has a context. And I think it's important, once again, to remind ourselves this is the end of the Bible. This is the end of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, where John, with this vision, has this, this, this final period of humanity known as the eternal state, where God creates in, uh, in 21, Revelation 21 a new heaven and a new earth with a new capital city, and that's called the New Jerusalem. Very good. And we've got to remember, that at this point in time, the ungodly, yes, are in the lake of fire, and the godly are in the New Jerusalem. And so with one final invitation, confident, confident with the revelation that has been given, is the last invitation for people to come, come, come. And if you think about it, the Bible's filled with invitations, isn't it? Invitations from God to humanity to come. One writer, in fact, that uh, through my readings and preparing for this, figured out there are about just over 50, about 55 invitations to come. Let's just read a couple. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 18, 18, it says, oh, there it is. <laughs> come now, come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. The matter of what? Oh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as what? As Say this with me, as white as snow. This is an invitation to what? This is an invitation to forgiveness. Isaiah 55, verse 1, let's go on, read another one. Uh, in, invite. Here we go. Come. 
There it is again. There's that word. Come. All you are thirsty, come. Come to where? Come to the waters. And you, you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. What's this invitation to? This is an invitation to be satisfied. God is offering each of us an invitation to forgiveness and an invitation to satisfaction. Forgiveness of what? Forgiveness of our shame. Forgiveness of our guilt. The Bible calls that sin. The, forgive, um, the, the, the next thing is that a satisfaction. Satisfaction of what? Satisfaction for our soul. Come on. You and I, we meet people all the time in everyday life who, like us, need these two messages of forgiveness and satisfaction. Come on, let's talk about this because life hurts sometimes, doesn't it? And, you know, it gets pretty tough. Um, some people, maybe in this room, maybe in your living room, beaming in online here this evening, um, people we do life with go again go through incredible amounts, don't they? Don't we sometimes? Um, and sometimes go through, can I say it? Sometimes go through hell. And when I tell those people when they tell me that, I say, keep going. Do not stay there. Keep going. And so we have people around us who live unfulfilled and unsatisfied, dreams and hopes gone, dashed, broken lives Everywhere, broken friendships, broken relationships, and God would say, Come. You are just the candidate to whom I am after. Come, come, because I have what you need forgiveness for sin and satisfaction for your soul. There's a group in the mid 60s for those who are alive and well in the mid 60s. I wasn't. And uh, Dorothy shaking her head as well. And uh, this group, I don't know if you heard of them, called the Rolling Stones. And they're still singing the song. I can't get no satisfaction. And maybe the reason they can't get no satisfaction, because they still haven't been invited to church. <laughs> Come on, we've got to do our job. We've got to do our job. But our God, come back to there. Our God is very inviting, never forcing anybody. He will invite people, absolutely, to make the right choice. And so when we get to the New Testament, we see Jesus always inviting. One of those interactions that he had was the Jordan River, just after his baptism. You might remember the story where two followers, in fact, of John the Baptist, he had a lot of followers, um, and they were curious about this Jesus and where he was living. Where did he sleep? Where did he stay? And Jesus didn't, in fact, give the ad his address of 147 Zion Way, Jerusalem. No, he didn't say that at all. He said, what? Come. Come and see. This is an invitation to them to follow him and find out exactly what he's all about. He said, come. Let's read a couple more of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, 19. He said, here's this word again. Here it is. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and be a part of my mission. Be a part of my mission, and I'll send you out to fish for people. 
Another invitation, a well-known invitation to the crowd this time, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I love this about Jesus. And I will give you rest. You see, we serve a God who is inviting and inviting God. And he invites humanity to come to be forgiven and to, satis- to be satisfied. Come. That's the power of an invitation. The second thing I want us to see here tonight is the inviting Jesus. Yes, we have the inviting God. But let's talk about the inviting Jesus. We've already talked a little bit about that already. But as you read through this um, Revelation chapter 22, by the way, there are certainly several titles of Jesus that in the way that he in- introduces himself as. Check this out. First of all, in verse 12, he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So we find out he's, he's the coming one. He's, he's already come once, and he promises to come again. Not only that, he's the rewarding one. He comes to those who have been faithful to him. Verse 13, he says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. We've got the Greek alphabet coming into here, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, the beginning and the end. Of what, Jesus? Of what? Of humankind. Of human history. Of humanity. And so it's important to connect the nature of God with that of being inviting with the power of Jesus to save. Because the reason we invite people to church, the reason we invite people to youth, the reason we invite people to Alpha, the reason we invite people to connect groups or to dinner or to the Will Graham event in May, ultimately, ultimately, we want to invite that person to Jesus because we actually believe your life will be better with him. You will do life better with him. Just press pause there for a moment. We'll press play in a moment. Please remind me, Dorothy. Just press pause here for a moment because here's my invite to you. For those who aren't in youth and young adult kind of age group, this is happening tomorrow night. We'll get to that just at the end of the service tonight. But this is an invite for the next three Monday nights to join me here um, with this Christian, Christian Life and Witness course. Three nights, two hours, two by 45-minute sessions with a break in the middle for the next three Monday nights starting tomorrow night in Auditorium 2. And it says here, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared? If not, join me tomorrow night here for the next three Monday nights. And by the way, the Billy Graham Association, can I just read this? It says, deepen your faith in Jesus Christ and discover practical ways to live a life that points other people to him. So what I'm doing tonight, whoops, I've dropped that. What I'm doing tonight is that I'm, I'm um, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm um, building a foundation. I'm laying a foundation for um, the reason that we invite. And so I'm giving you the why of invitation. Tomorrow night, for the next three nights, uh, next three Monday nights, for two hours, seven till nine, they're going to give us the how to invite, how to live out our Christian faith. Now, it's all happening on Saturday, which Oliver and Dorothy will do a little bit later on. That's right, isn't it? So we'll share about, for youth and young adults, what's happening on Saturday. Let's press play again. Thank you, Dorothy. Thank you. (laughs) 
So we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. Listen to this. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. I don't know if you've been to the United States of America. You know, I've, been, I've been a couple of times over the years. Great. You know, I've been to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Some of you may have visited the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Two and a half thousand stars on a footpath, film stars, music stars, radio stars, TV stars, visited annually by 10 million people from across the world. Help me out. For those who have been there, help me out. It's interesting, but a little underwhelming. Yeah, for those who have been there. <laughs> How do you get a star? Well, just in case you're looking to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, three criteria you have to meet. First of all, you have to produce something iconic. Secondly, you have to wow the selection committee. Thirdly, you have to pay 50000 US dollars. Then you can have a star, and that will provide the upkeep for it as well. Then you'll be considered a star. Who's up for it? Who's up for it? I see the hand down the front there. <laughs> but one day, listen, one day, all the world will see that Jesus Christ is the ultimate star on the stage of human history, and he qualifies. Let me explain how. He produced something very iconic, salvation for humanity. Not only that, he will wow the selection committee because Scripture teaches us that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. And he also paid the price. By the way, it cost him more than $50,000. It cost him his life. He paid it with his blood. This is far from underwhelming. He's the star. He's the bright and morning star. What a beautiful description. Let's just explore that just for a moment, this idea of star. Is that okay? Just for a moment. Come with me because do you know the sun is in fact considered a star. <laughs> the closest star to Earth, by the way. Not only that, it's the only star in our solar system. Thank you, Mr. Google, for that. I checked you out during the week. That's where I got my information from. So we live in a state, we live in a state, Tasmania, what a great state it is, that it doesn't have a lot of star. Well, sunshine. Other states compared to have a lot more sunshine than us. And what a, great, what a great summer we've had, right? What a great summer. And so sunlight, think about sunlight just for a moment. It's the fuel of life. And what I mean by that is that it regulates and maintains everything on earth. And experts would in fact tell us that the lack of sunlight affects us Yet the sun is the richest source of vitamin D in which you and I need regularly. A lack of sunlight affects our mood, even depression, even a condition called SAD, S-A-D, which stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. Check it out online a little bit later on. And so people need light to survive and thrive. They cannot survive without the light of the sun, S-U-N, 
and the sun, S-O-N. The bright and morning star. Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, here's another invitation. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't know about you. I want to follow someone like that. I want to follow someone like that. We have the inviting God who is welcoming and inclusive. We have the inviting Jesus that unless we invite people to him or to a place they can hear about him, that may never happen. But third and final one, as I invite the team to please come in your own time when you're ready. Don't hurry. But the inviting Christian, I want to finish off by saying a couple of things about this one. Is that okay? Verse 17, listen to this. Don't turn off, listen to this. Here we go. It says this, The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Hear what it said? The Spirit and the bride say, come. Who's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit of God doing his work in the world. Who's the bride? The church. Very good. It's the church. It's the people of God. We are called the bride of Christ. A few times we called that in the New Testament. Check it out during this week. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit is in the world drawing people to Christ, but it's the bride's great privilege done with great pride. Come on, brides, come on, that we invite to the wedding. And so the church is the bride and it has to be part of the process. Let me finish up by saying just a couple more things. You see, we who have been changed by the gospel are now instruments of change for the gospel. God is inviting. God is inviting, which means we should be inviting on His behalf, His bride. But we're also the body of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So never Never, church, never, never underestimate the power of an inv- a simple invitation. Why? Because it's changed thousands of people's lives since Jesus and his disciples. Follower after follower after follower, that multiplication effect. We have the inviting God, yes. We have the inviting Jesus, yes. And we have the inviting Christian, absolutely. And as a church, I want you to know that we've grown primarily through inviting. People like you and me who simply said, well, I may not know all the Bible. I may not have all the answers. I may not be the best person, parent or single in the world. But I can invite someone to what? what we know that a simple invitation 
can change absolutely everything. And if we believe that to be true, I want to put it to us now to consider this week with me. Who? Who will you be inviting? Because it's the Spirit and the Bride who say, about and all eyes are closed and you get that sense within your life, I want to pray for you. I'm not out to embarrass anybody. This is about going public but in your way. And first of all, we want to thank God that He is an inviting God, welcoming and inclusive. And I pray for God's help for us all. The world needs what we have. The world longs for forgiveness. The world longs for satisfaction of the soul because they're trying everything, everything, and it ain't working. Help us, Lord, to be bold and not selfish, I pray. Help us to be relentless in reaching people to find the hope and forgiveness and satisfaction for their souls. For we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were pleading through us be reconciled to God. And just in this holy moment, while all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, this is a holy moment I'm inviting you into right now, whether that's here or at home. The invite is this. It's to come Come, come to get right with your heavenly Father. Scripture teaches us that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be forgiven. And when you call upon His name, I want you to know that He's a loving, caring, giving, forgiving heavenly Father, that He hears your every heartbeat and that you are forgiven tonight. That He forgives you of your shame and your guilt, your sin. And the great thing about our Heavenly Father is that He makes you brand new. But tonight is your night. And I want to pray with and for you a little prayer. That if you pray this in your heart of hearts, and you mean this, this is a game changer. This will change your life forever. And it's a good change. Pray this little prayer with me and I'm done. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I ask Jesus to save me. I ask Jesus to forgive me. I ask you, God, to fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you all the days of my life. It's no longer about me. It's all about you. My trust 
is in you. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for a brand new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, just as we stand here in a moment, let me echo those words to us that it's the Spirit and the Bride. Who say come?